Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Pentecost is the story of the empowered disciples. There were 120 or so gathered there, not just the 12, but a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother, and some of Jesus' brothers, so, and 120 other people. The followers weren't sure what to do when Jesus died. What do you do when the person that you're following is no longer leading you? But many of them stayed together, as we see evidenced by this story and by the other resurrection stories. They hadn't given up hope, but they weren't sure what was coming next. And Damon Garcia, who has written the book that we've been following for the last few weeks, um, says the remarkable thing about the followers of Jesus, the story of Jesus, is not that Jesus was crucified. There were lots of people who were following messiahs or rabbis or teachers who were crucified and then all their people scattered. The thing that makes the Jesus story and the Christian story so remarkable is that they didn't scatter. Jesus was killed and they said, we don't think that's the end. We think maybe he was a loser, but he won. And that is the strange and wonderful story of Christianity, that the losers win and that the winners lose. So this day of Pentecost, suddenly the spirit was upon them and their internal meeting, where they were organizing themselves, became an external testimony. So we're going to hear the story of Pentecost, and we have some readers among us who are going to help us hear that. And we have some pictures that are going to appear um, before you that are going to help us listen with our eyes, as Elizabeth invited us to do. Reading from the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they all met in one room. Suddenly, they heard what sounded like a violent, rushing wind from heaven. The noise filled the entire house in which they were sitting. Something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each one. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as she enabled them. Now there were devout people living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And 
at the sound, they all assembled. But they were bewildered to hear their native languages being spoken. They were amazed and astonished. Surely all these people speaking are Galileans. How does it happen that each of us hears these words in our native, native tongue? We are Parthians. Mates. Elamites. People of Mesopotamia. Judea. Cappadocia. Pontus and Asia. Phrygia. And Pamphylia. Egypt. And the parts of Libya and Cyrene. As visitors from Rome, all Jews or converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them preaching each in our own language about the marvels of God. We're amazed and disturbed. They asked each other, What does this mean? But others said mockingly, They've drunk too much new wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and addressed the crowd. Women and men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, it's what Joel the prophet spoke of. In the days to come, it is our God who speaks. I will pour out my spirit on all humankind. Your daughters and sons will prophesy. Your young people will see visions. And your elders will dream dreams, even on the most insignificant of my people, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. Earlier this week, Kat Armas, who is my um, new favorite biblical interpreter, shared these words. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your daughters will prophesy, your young will see visions, your elders will dream dreams. She says, in the context of the Christian empire, which thrives off hierarchy, control, and dominance, this is subversive and liberating, this subversive, this is the subversive and liberating promise of Pentecost. This is what makes Pentecost all the more subversive. I commented on her, thank you so much for always helping us see what's right there before our eyes, but we don't see because of the lens of empire and patriarchy that has been handed to us. And this morning, while I was getting ready, she posted another thing about Pentecost, so I wanted to share that with you. She said, they were be bewildered, she's quoting Acts 2, they were bewildered because everyone heard them speaking in their own, in their native language. She says, in the context of empire, where language is used as a tool for power and domination, where native tongues spoken from native bodies, are deemed inferior by an invaders by invaders bent on conquer and control speaking in someone's native language is a remarkable way of empowering and 
just turning the world upside down, isn't it? Pentecost is much more riotous and revolutionary than we might have thought before. The words that we read, even on the most insignificant of my people, both women and men, are translated many times as slaves or servants. But I really like this idea of the most insignificant people, because really it invites us to ask the question, who are today the most insignificant people? And really the meaning is there is nobody who is insignificant, but there are people who we have called insignificant. The Jesus movement began by declaring the belovedness and equally worthiness of all people, male and female, slave and free. It was a core value of the movement until it allowed itself with power and then empire. But what a radical way to begin, to follow the dreams and visions of those without power, the young, the elders, and the women. Those who don't have any significance in the economy of productivity and influential ideas. I am really excited about this move that Hope Gateway is making to 515 Woodford Street. Because of the generosity and forethought of the remarkable community of St. Ansgar Lutheran Church and their willingness to let go before they had to of their beloved community that has now for 62 years been located at 515 Woodford's Woodford. I always put an S on it. There's no S on it. But their vision and foresight has given us vision and foresight. And this week, I have loved hearing the visions and the dreams of all the different people and collaborating and curating those dreams and visions for what is possible in that new space. I think sometimes we get stuck, don't we? We're like, we know what we do here. We know how this goes. We know what tomorrow brings. We know what next Sunday looks like. We know what's coming. But right now, we're reminded that we are a nomadic community and that we want to be on the edge of doing new things and imagining new dreams. And this move really opens us the possibility of imagining and dreaming things that we haven't even conceived of as yet. And listening to the young and the elders and those who are marginalized on the edge of our society. One, it feels like there are little fires, little remarkable communication techniques of Pentecost happening among us. And it feels like something beyond us, something of the spirit. 
One of the ways that we share the work of the Spirit among us is by sharing our transfer testimonies of what challenges we are facing and what challenges we have overcome. And one of our traditions at Hope Gateway is the Easter egg challenge. The moment you've all been waiting for. So I'm gonna invite, invite, not command, you all to share some of your experience of your Easter egg challenge. And it doesn't mean you were a winner. It's even a testimony if you didn't yet complete your Easter egg challenge. So I, um, several months ago, so I'm going to tell you mine. Several months ago, Alan um, said that he wanted to watch a movie, a documentary which I forget the name of and I forgot to ask him, about um, climate scientists and climate activists who have been doing this work for decades and how they are finding hope. It's called Once You Know. Once You Know. Isn't that a great title? Yeah. So they, it was remarkably hopeful, really. But the takeaway that I took from it was get to know your neighbors. Because building a community of support located right where you are is always helpful. And when we foresee times of crisis coming, even more so, it is really helpful to build communities located right where we are. So, most of you know that three years ago we moved. We had lived for <laughs> we had lived for about fifteen years, fourteen years, <laughs> thirteen years. Anyway, a long time on a dead end street. And when somebody moved onto that street or off of that street, everybody knew. There's an email list. On that street, you have people's numbers, everybody knows everybody, and when somebody shows up on that street who is not a person who lives on that street and they look like they're confused or not quite sure what they're doing, everybody's paying attention to that person. So it was easy to be a neighbor on Sheffield Street. But we moved to Brighton Avenue on a very busy road that is not a place to connect with your neighbors. And then a street that is a very, is a not that long, but pretty long street. And there's no like definition of who your neighbors are. And there's no culture established in that neighborhood um, of connection. And the Facebook group that it's connected is like five, six, seven streets away where there is a culture of connection. So guess what I got for my Easter egg challenge? <laughs> Between now and May 28th, make a significant effort to reach out to a neighbor, ideally someone you don't know well. Huh, that would be easy. Bake and deliver cookies or a loaf of bread or had other ideas. So yesterday, as I'm a procrastinator, <laughs> I, I knew what my plan was as soon as I got that 
challenge. I knew who was who my neighbor was I wanted to reach out to. We had connected soon after they moved in. We were good neighbors for a minute a long time ago, and I wanted to tell them, hey, I want to be a better neighbor. I want to be more connected and give them our email addresses and our phone numbers and say, hey, let's let's connect some more. Maybe you could come over sometime. So yesterday, after trying several times, I finally delivered a container full of brownies to them and had a conversation with one of the adults in the family. And we had suspected that there was going to be a baby in that household that you know, these things you don't just go, hey, I don't really know you very well, but are you pregnant? <laughs> don't do that. Don't, don't do that. But I found out that they're going to have a baby probably this week. And I said, oh, I have a dear friend who's going to have a baby this week. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I, I achieved the challenge, I did that, but I also understand that it's the beginning of the larger challenge of actually connecting with more people in my neighborhood and connecting more deeply with the people who I call my neighbors. But it was something I've needed to do for a long time and I was grateful for the challenge that was handed to me. So who, would like to share your challenge. Cassie. So my challenge was to have a conversation with somebody that I don't know. And I thought, well, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is like not a challenge. So I've kind of like not really done too much with it. And then um, Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm volunteering, giving coffee and tea to the homeless at Salvation Army's Holy Grounds. And on Tuesday, I'm gonna get a little emotional. <laughs> um, this young lady came that I hadn't seen before. And when she stepped up to get her coffee, her entire forearms were open sores and bloody from her wrist to her elbows. And so I said, what happened to your arms? Thinking like she must have fallen or something. And um, it's a blood poisoning that she got from using dirty needles. And I was really shaken by it. So I asked someone to watch the window and she went over and sat on the steps. And so I asked if I could go out and talk to her. And um, her name is Sarah and she's 33 years old. And she was dumped in Portland recently. She was her words and She's addicted to meth and heroin. And I, I said to her, you know, you have a lot more life ahead of you than you do behind you. And she said, oh, please don't tell me that. 
And um, I talked to her about the possibilities of rehab and gave her numbers. And she told me that she went into a rehab and she was four days into it, but it was so hard. And she said, what you don't understand is when your body craves this so bad and you hurt so bad that it's easier to do the drugs again than it is to continue on that road of getting sober. And I said, you know, you do understand that you are loved. And she said to me, I know because I'm Christian. And she took the card and she said she would think about calling. I don't know if she will and she's never, she hasn't shown up again. I've asked them to keep a watch out and to pray for Sarah. Um, but she weighs heavy on my heart because there's a lot of Sarahs out there. Thank you, Cassie. Yeah, pray for Sarah, for all who are living a life like that. They are loved. Anybody have a lighter challenge? <laughs> you want to turn on your mic? I can turn it on. Okay. Um, so I got right thank you notes. Um, and I too said, you know, it's my job to ask people to do things and then I thank them. <laughs> so <laughs> um, um, so I also procrastinated. Um, but what I remembered is a friend of mine, um, a former colleague who had a practice for a full year of um, choosing someone each week someone that he would focus on for the entire week. And then on Saturday morning, he would write them a thank you letter. And I thought, what a cool idea, 52 thank you letters to people that are, you'd probably start with the ones dear to you and then be thinking about, well, who, you know, when you start getting into the 40s and 50s. Um, and I always wanted to do it. Um, and then I got my Easter egg challenge of <laughs> thank you notes. I'm like, well, being the procrastinator that I am, I put that off too. But I've spent the last couple of weeks with my brother and um, he's got early dementia and he's been doing really well. But my time to write him his thank you note is now. And so I woke up this morning early and started it. So. That's the beginning of me trying to do this challenge of 52 of them. I don't know, since I'm not a, a really good, like, I don't keep up with those things really well. You can check with me a few weeks down the road and see how many I've written, but it started. That's lovely. And because you spoke it out loud, then you might be more likely to continue, right? <laughs> Anybody else need a little nudge? Ready to share? Elizabeth, if there's anybody online, let us know too. 
Well, I also got one that I have done a million times, which was to um, write down what I'm grateful for. So I procrastinated. It's <laughs> a theme. Yeah, yeah. And because I've done it, and I, you know, when I would remember, I would think, well, I should do it. I've always felt better when I've done it. And so I might as well do it. Why am I not doing it? And I don't have any answer to that. But what, and so I still intend to do it. I have it on my kitchen table, and I even got a little notebook out that I had bought three years ago to give to all my clients. I had a stack of them at the beginning of COVID, so they could write what they were grateful for, which I never gave them to them. <laughs> so now I have a whole stack of these. And so I have that, and I have the challenge together. But what I will share with you is a gratitude that I came, that, that I had from years ago, and it keeps popping up again. And every time it does, it makes me happy, and I feel gratitude. And it was a muffin. It was a muffin. I was driving down the road between my house and my office, which was just one mile. And on one side of the road was a graveyard, which, you know, went on for a while. And on the other side was somebody's empty lot and a barber shop. And in the middle of the road was a muffin standing up the way a muffin should be standing up. Like, it was exactly, it looked like somebody had gone out into the middle of the road and placed the muffin there. How else would it be standing right up like that in the middle? Like where the lines were in the middle. It was so purposeful. And, and when I saw it, it made me laugh. And I continue to think about it off and on. That must have been 10 years ago, probably. <laughs> and see, <laughs> just the absurdity of it. So just being open to seeing what's there today that I can be joyful about or grateful for. And you know what? It's a muffin. <laughs> Almost as absurd as Pentecost. <laughs> Anybody else? Read. I'm supposed to just run the camera. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, something along the lines of open up to somebody and tell them how you really feel as I seem to remember and I stuck that on the refrigerator so that both me and my wife would uh, practice um, slowing down and uh, doing that um, also uh, let's see at work I uh, took that into consideration and um, sent a message to my boss after a change that he made that I really didn't like in the office where he shrunk my desk down uh, and I'm a tall guy I don't like the new desk and he says that at some point we will have a conversation about possibly changing my desk <laughs> he's a reasonable guy so I think that'll happen thank you Reed that's great 
We're glad for you to do more than run the camera. <laughs> oh, there's one online. Um, okay. Do we have a way to get it on the screen or should I hold my iPad? Okay, we'll listen. To, yeah, Antoinette has one to share. Good morning, Hope Gateway. Antoinette from Connecticut. Um, I got the list um, and I chose one that I had actually been thinking about doing for a while. Um, it was to involve myself in something um, more government related. Um, and I have a connection with one of the representatives um, in the state legislature here in Connecticut. Um, both my husband and now I am on injectable medicine. And the the way to get rid of these currently, at least in the state of Connecticut, I'm told, is to put them in bottles of soap when you finished like laundry soap or um, containers from delis and, and then just tape them all up and put sharps all over the um, the uh, container. Um, and there's gotta be a better way. I have a bag of injectable syringes sitting in the base, on the bottom of my, my closet because I don't use much laundry soap anymore. So I don't have that big of a container to throw them away. And I try to take a couple with me and drop them off when I think there may be something in the ladies room where you can leave syringes. Um, but I'm working with her to try and figure out if there's a better way to collect those. I, I think in other states they have, just like they take the drugs back and they take the, the um, collectibles of um, uh, the paint and things like that, I think that there needs to be something better, at least where I am um, and maybe nationwide to take care of people that are on um, either needles or injectable medicine. John was on insulin for quite a while and um, we always, those were a little easier because I could just change the needles, but um, it, it gets to be pretty bulky. And so I'm just trying to figure out what the next step is with her. So that's mine. Take it to a fire station, Art says. Yeah, not, not in Connecticut. But there should be a way in your home. Yeah. And it's not well it's not i'm hard. working on there doesn't seem to be any local thank place thank you all for taking on your easter egg challenge and if you haven't done it yet it's not too late we would love to hear about your easter egg challenge sooner or later in whatever way may we dream dreams and see visions. May we listen to, may we listen to and really hear the dreams and visions of those on the margins. May we seek to build a community and a world where all are valued and seen as worthy. And may the spirit flame in us and may we feel her in fire enlivening us for the work of today and the hope of tomorrow. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and
and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.